Hi, and welcome to episode 165 of No Crying in Baseball, the It's Just a Flesh Wound episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Does does that have anything to do with your cookie baking extravaganza? The Just nope. a Flesh Wound part? Nope. It's a Monty Python uh, call out for minor leagues because they're not dead. Uh... It's just a flesh wound. All right. Well, yeah. I appreciate the Monty Python call out. I think that's that's appropriate. Yeah. Sad. yeah hey. um, what are you drinking? Oh, I am drinking the homebrew Black is Beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, which has been kicking around for a while. And I feel like we need to clean out the tanks because that will mean more beer gets brewed. Things I, work out well that way around here. <laughs> I, I am all for that. And it's a very tasty brew. So mm-hmm. I've got, I went to the farmer's market today and I got, um, in, in cans from the 10th Ward Distilling Company, the woman-owned distillery um, in, in Maryland, the Corpse Reviver Number no. 10 cocktail. They have that in cans? Look, it's a tiny, tiny little can. That is fabulous. And it's delicious. I don't know if you've had this, but it's, no. it's gin, absinthe, lemon, chai, and vanilla bean syrup, and lavender bitters. And my corpse is reviving nicely. So fabulous. thank you very much. So here's the thing. On today's show, we've got minor league mayhem. There's so much. We've got boyfriends for the Tigers and the Diamondbacks. We are telling you how MLB is promoting women in baseball at the winter meetings and, as always, international baseball. Minor leagues, man. I started by titling this The Minor Leagues Are Dead. And that's what I backed up to. It's just a flesh wound because they're not dead, but it's like, you know, it's what is it? death by a hundred what is it like you know the tiny little being pecked to death by duck sort of thing it's like wearing them down all right it's icky i thought there was was like a crow or something like that i didn't realize pecked to death by ducks was a thing that sounds horrific that's exactly right that is exactly right so this week you know we've been talking for over a year now about how the major leagues plan to cut down the number of teams in the minor leagues from 160 to 120. This week, things happened and it was framed as invitations were issued, not teams were cut, but teams were invited, not by MLB, but by MLB sort of like took a back seat to this. So as not to be the target, but they are the target of all the ire teams, teams themselves on Wednesday, each issued four invitations. Every team will be affiliated with a triple A, a double A, a high A, and a low A farm team. That's it. So So, so these are the MLB teams that issued the invitations. Right. Right. Exactly right. And they're all going to be MLB teams now. They really are. They're all like franchisees of, of Major League Baseball. The teams that did not get invitations, or as you might say, the teams that were cut because the teams that were originally minor league ball clubs, most of them found out on social media. There was no slimy. Hey, Tri-City Valley Cats, this is happening. Or Frederick Keys or, you know, whatever. There's a million of them. Those are just two that are near and dear to my heart. Found out on social media that they were no longer part of the minor league system. Interestingly, the Fresno Grizzlies, who through last year were the uh, the Nationals AAA team, they were issued an invitation from the Rockies to be their low A team, to go from triple A to low A. And they said, hell no, Wow. for, for about a day. Uh-oh. For about a day. 
And basically and then- we're told, if you don't take it, we just give it to the next guy. Of course. They don't care. They don't care. So they said, well, screw it. All right. We are so happy to be a member of the Colorado Rockies farm system. They're low A team. Hooray for us. Thank you for helping us keep baseball in Fresno. This, it's just, they have no choice. Is What yeah. is this? Is it extortion? Is it like, what's the... <laughs> Uh, We have to consult with the lawyers. And here's the thing. Okay. Hold that thought about the lawyers. Okay. They're coming up in a second. One of the pieces that I read, this one in The Athletic, they were interviewing owners who were invited, who said the invited teams are exhibiting universal rage against MLB. So the teams Mm -hmm. that were cut are pissed. The teams that were invited are pissed about the terms of the agreement as far as they know them. So no one, no one in the world of what was formerly known as minor league baseball is happy about this. So these 120 teams who were invited received a 56 page outline, uh, outline that's 56 pages long of a 10 year contract with major league baseball otherwise known as the Professional Development License, the PDL. So you'll hear the phrase PDL. That's what that is. It's their 10-year contract, the Professional Development License. So they don't have the details of these contracts. And apparently each team's going to get an individual contract, which is weird. It's not like, okay, you all get the same deal. But here's what needs to happen. If you were invited, if your team was lucky enough to be invited to be eaten live by Major League Baseball, you have to decide by December 18th, if you want to continue, if you want to accept this invitation, you would not see the entire PDL until you, number one, agree that you want to continue, and number two, sign away all your rights to sue Major League Baseball. It's amazing. Without having seen the actual contract. It's so repulsive. Some of the things that we know about, because they're they're identified in this 56-page outline, are the commissioner of baseball has an enormous amount of power, right? As far as major league baseball is concerned, he works for the owners, right? But in, in the minor leagues, that's not the case. He still works for the major league baseball owners who now have control over these teams in a way they didn't before. So now Rob Manfred, the office of the commissioner has an enormous amount of power, including setting the schedule length for minor league baseball. So those minor leagues don't really have any say in how much they're going to play. The customer data that they have been accruing, you know, building these relationships within their communities would now belong to Major League Baseball. And these teams would have to basically ask for permission to use that data, which used to be theirs. This does sound like extortion. I think that's that's going to be. In the past, each team, each minor league team would negotiate with or be, be told, basically, the regulations are set by municipalities. If you have a sports venue in this city, here's the kind of insurance requirements we have for you, right? You have to do this. Major League Baseball is now going to set those, which may be more onerous, may be much harder for these teams to manage. In the past, like minor league teams would negotiate with a city for tax help in building or renovating a sports facility, right? Your ballpark, mm-hmm. for instance. Now, Major League Baseball is going to do those negotiations. So Major League Baseball would have the relationship with the municipality as opposed to the ownership group of a particular team. So in the case of the Fresno Grizzlies, all of a sudden, Major League Baseball and the city of Fresno have a 15-year agreement. It doesn't matter who owns those teams. That ownership, that group could be out. And MLB could just put somebody else in there and say, oh, you know. Our relationship is between MLB and the city. There are also rules that are about like what ticketing system minor league ball clubs can use, what 
rules about their advertising, how much, who they can go to. So I think at this point, we just see what December 18th brings because the owners, I think if they were able to band together and, you know, negotiate as a group, they would have a better shot of getting what they need. But, you know, TikTok, man, it's it's December 13th now when we're recording. This is in five days and they haven't even seen the whole agreement. So this is really there. And they're, they're absolutely set up as if you don't like it, we've got all of these other teams mm-hmm. ready to go who are who want to play. Which is otherwise known as a monopoly. So I'm wondering, are there any gutsy lawyers out there that are willing to take this on? I mean, MLB has had sort of a, you know, essentially a monopoly in some ways for quite a while, but this is raising it another oh, yeah. notch. It means oh, that yeah. they're controlling, you know, the, oh, yeah. the huge amount of organized baseball in this country. So go lawyers, go find some good yeah. lawyers out there. Isn't that weird? Like we're rooting for more litigation and more, you know, <laughs> really? But we can't, I mean, this, this shall not stand, man. I don't like right. this. Right. This is no, really this is, and this is what, you know, litigation should be doing, should be doing Writing things wrongs, like preventing evil. Right, right. Bust is trust busting. Good old fashioned trust busting. Break up that. And MLB just needs to be shaken up. Something's got to happen, though, because what's the alternative? The alternative is yuck that Rob Manfred's in charge of all baseball as we know it in this country, except for or do we just start going to wooden bat league games and saying, fuck you to MLB? Like, how do we deal with this? Somebody's got to start another league. Well, there are other leagues. Now, the problem yeah. is those those players aren't getting paid. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the independent league players get paid, but those teams, the ownership of those teams has right. to come up with the pay, right? They're responsible in independent leagues for paying the players and the coaches, whereas in official minor league farm system teams, MLB pays the coaches and pays the players poorly. But right. that's one thing that the local ownership doesn't have to think about. They don't have to worry about that. So this new draft league that we talked about last week, yeah. these are players who are, um, they're not professionals, right? They're, they have not been drafted yet, so they don't have to pay them. The collegiate wooden bat leagues that the, the Appalachian League got turned into, they don't have to pay those players because it's not, you know, it's a collegiate league. It's not a professional league. And so all of a sudden, yeah, sure, you can have other baseball. Those guys aren't going to get paid. They're right. not going to be able to afford to play. I feel like there's got to be some. Um, so my my hope, I guess, is in one of two places: decent lawyers or some baseball genius out there who can take, especially some of these nice parks that are now being deserted. You know, the 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 teams that are being stranded. Maybe there's some marketing genius who can pull together. I don't know. Figure out how to make ends meet and pay people. And there's got to be magic, right? Baseball magic. I would like to believe in baseball magic again. Come on, come on. Let's do this thing. Hey, let's talk about happy things. All right. So we're at that part of the show where we talk about our baseball boyfriends. Yay, they are back. Last week, we started off with the Pirates and the Rangers. And we start with the teams that had the worst record the previous year. So give them a little bit of spotlight in the beginning. That's it. Some early love. And these are the guys that we love for reasons beyond the field. We each pick a guy per team throughout the offseason because there's something fun, something special about them. So we're going to tell you about them now. We are. This is getting challenging, we have found, because we've been doing this for three years now. So if we have teams that are not bringing up a lot of rookies – 
then we have like a lot of guys still on the field that we can't choose from. And apparently that's the Tigers. I think actually the Tigers should probably be bringing some people up is what I'm thinking. But I am going to go with Jamer Candelario, who's the first baseman for the Tigers, 27 years old. And my first reaction to him was, I know that name. And the reason why I know that name is because I saw him in the Dominican League last year. So he was playing in Lidom last year. He's playing in Lidom this year. The big problem is he's playing for the team that I really don't like, the Toros del Este, who won last year. And that's why I had heard of him, because he was actually MVP of the playoffs last year. Ah, yeah, he hit. It was a, a amazing game-winning home run when they were tied. I, I think it was in the last game of the of the playoffs against the Tigres de Licey, because I remember Licey beat the team I was watching, which is Leones. And they went over to the playoffs against the Toros, and it was like an 11th inning, but it was the top of the inning, so it wasn't a walk-off. But game-winning home run, gets MVP, so that's a good sign. Well, a couple of reasons why I don't like the Toros is because right now they have Domingo Germán and Yasiel Puig. So I'm not going to be rooting for them, but I'm going to be excited that I keep getting to watch Jamer Candelario, who had a breakout year. So last year, he was actually Tiger of the Year by the Detroit chapter of the Baseball Writers Association. He started really poorly. And so this is another one of those, like, why I choose a baseball boyfriend like this. You like the guy who turns it around, right? Who's having a hard time, but somehow they pull it together. And he started last year zero for 17 and ended up with Tiger of the Year. So that is an amazing burst out that he had in August and September to bring his average up almost to 300, 297, 29 RBI. Interestingly, he was one of the big reasons that the Tigers almost made it over 500, which they did not. But I didn't realize that they then, like he he helped them boom up in, in August and beginning of September, and they lost 19 of their last 25 games. That must have really sucked. I am so sorry, Tigers fans. Yeah. But I think th- there's hope this year. I think Jamer's going to be breaking out because he had a really shitty 18 and 19. He was up opening day on 2018. I think he was up for like a cup of coffee in 17, which is when the Tigers got him from the Cubs. So he was up a little bit. And then 18 and 19 were really rocky. But then he had that breakout with Leadom and then a breakout year this year. So... I'm hopeful. He is um, New York born and he lived there until he was five years old when his family moved to the DR because his dad opened a training facility in the DR. His dad was a ball player. And here's another cool thing that um, Jamer, well, a couple of a couple of names that I, I respect despite their downfalls, which is Sammy Sosa, Sammy Sosa and Robinson Cano. So they're Jamer's sort of idols. And it turns out he actually knew Cano that when they were little, their fathers played on somewhere in the Astros farm system together. And so they stayed friends. They hung out. They were like, I think, 10 years apart. And so when when Cano was a young professional player, Jamer was like this teenager who was like looking up to this amazing major leaguer. So to have that kind of influence when you're that long, young, I think must have been pretty cool. He said he was always there for me. And Cano trained at his father's um, training facility. So the the DR connection is tight. He lives there in the off season. 
with his wife. Oh, shoot. Whose name I didn't write down. But I did write down their baby girl's name. Andre. Wait, you did. You wrote down. Did I? Oh, I just yeah. skipped over it. Andreina. Okay. There we go. Andreina. I would go with that. Yeah, I'm sure I'm screwing that up. Sorry about that, Jamer. But the baby, Aliyah, was just born in November. So congratulations to the Candelario family, also known as the Candyman. Candelario, get that candy? Ah, so that was his, that's his player's weekend thing. And even had these really cool cleats that were like all different candy bars. He's done a lot of good for the community. And this is my boyfriend theme today. I'm, you should be proud of me, actually. I'm doing these do-gooding, bringing back to their community kind of guys. So uh, Jamer is, he's, he's definitely a little on the religious side, but he's also just on the being thankful for where he's at and wanting to give back as much as possible. So he was involved in pretty much everything that the Tigers do for um, for charity, which is a lot. They have a Tiger's Dreams Come True program, which is for fans with serious illnesses to like pick your player and he will do something for you, bring him into the field or something like that. He was involved with the Gloves for Kids program, which provides equipment for Detroit youth, involved with keeping kids in the game to benefit uh, children's health and youth, youth baseball. Baseball fantasy camp for kids, which is for kids with special needs. And then finally, I think this this sounds super fun. Every year they have a Fiesta Tigres celebration, which is celebrating the influence of the Latinx players and Latinx coaches that they've had. So he was involved in that also because it involves bringing in local youth too, especially Latino kids into the ballpark. So Jamer's my guy. I'm pretty happy about it. I'm looking forward to being able to see him play now. Like tomorrow, I will turn on a, on a game. Yeah, yeah, they play Monday. Excellent, excellent. So I realized um, after I picked my two guys for today that I had a theme. I had two themes. One was ah. excellent parenting. And <laughs> I like one, that. <laughs> and one was uh, big name trades. All right. Oh. So, so keep those two things in mind. We're going to start with the Tigers. And I picked a guy who did just come up um, to the Tigers. Oh, good. I feel better. Yeah. So um, Daz Cameron, which I think is actually a Star Wars character. He's <laughs> a center fielder. He's only 23. He is from McDonough, Georgia. You may know that name Cameron because his dad, Mike, Mike Cameron, played in, in major leagues for 17 years. Wow. And so Daz grew up hanging out in clubhouses and on the field with his dad, including when he was two running around the outfield with Barry Larkin, right? When his dad was with the Reds and oh, watching cool. games at five when his dad was with the Mariners, apparently he actually had his own locker in the clubhouse. That when is he so was cute. And then oh. um, his, his dad ended his career in 2011 with the Marlins. And so he took Daz along on like the last road trip. So he's got all this experience of what does the life look like, right? The downside of all this is everyone is constantly comparing him to his dad. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we're going to talk more about his dad in a minute because he's actually, it sounds like he's he's doing some seriously good parenting with, with his son, the star. So um, Daz was drafted by the Astros in 2015. He was drafted 37th overall. He was picked to be possibly um, the number one draft pick, except that some rumors got started that he was going to have these very high signing bonus demands. So that pushed him down to the very end of like one of those supplemental rounds they do at the end of the first round, which is how the Astros ended up with him. And he got a $4 million signing bonus. So that's, that's not too shabby. 
he <laughs> he found out about this trade right he went over to from the astros to the tigers as part of the trade for justin verlander oh wow he found out about this when he was out with his teammates from his single a team eating wings hanging out with at a sports bar with espn on a tv on the wall and he saw his name go by at the same time <laughs> so funny his phone lit up and it was dad saying hey you just got traded <laughs> wow and so that went kind of back and forth a little bit because remember verlander didn't initially want to go and uh -huh. so he but they went back and forth and during the course of that same dinner with those same chicken wings it was finalized and he actually got the, the official phone call not the one from his dad but the official one saying hey you're going to detroit and so he actually feels pretty felt pretty good about that i was like okay for verlander i mean you know there are three prospects that went but still you got yeah. picked as somebody even if it's you plus two people equaling justin verlander that's still pretty good right so this year this year with COVID and the delayed season and all of that, his dad trained with him in, you know, when the, the season got delayed. So we had somebody basically at home. Oh, who, that's handy. Right. With all that experience and not only the skill experience, but also like the mental conditioning. I mean, his dad was in the, the, the majors for 17 years. You know a lot about winning and you know a lot about losing. And actually one of the things that he said was like the, the lesson that dad still needed to learn is how to fail. Because, mm -hmm. you know, in high school and all that, he was the hotshot, right? He was the first round draft pick. He was that guy. And so this has happened since then. Like all, you know, he's he had a little bit of trial by fire. So this year, when the season started late, they did that big, you know, COVID intake health protocol. So he's on his way to Detroit to start, you know, summer camp, whatever they called it. Test positive for COVID. Oh, shit. Was part of the intake, right? <gasps> and Crap. felt okay at that time but within a couple of days had all the symptoms he had the fever oh. so he had the breathing problems and all of these things ended up with pneumonia he was hospitalized for several days so folks out there who are naysayers this is a healthy 23 year old athlete right if the freddie freeman story didn't do it here's another one right. healthy 23 year old athlete hospitalized for several days with covid and all of these things that that came because of it he was released he recovered he stayed quarantined for most of july right until he was finally released to come back so he's gonna he gets his call up right he's gonna debut against the brewers well his dad played with the brewers because his dad played with everybody <laughs> over 17 years so his dad texts ryan braun because when he was with the brewers he said okay ryan i'm gonna make you feel old remember that little kid of mine who was like dragging your bat around oh during batting practice in 2009 he's playing against you tonight <laughs> that's funny but his dad was super sad because you know here's another one of those stories where your kid gets a call up and you got to watch it on tv yeah. you can't drop everything and hop in the car hop on a plane and go you have to watch it on tv but a month later there was a little bit of baseball magic here's some baseball magic for you okay okay good Okay, so you know how um, where the White Sox play is was called was nicknamed New Comiskey Park for a while, and and now it's called Guaranteed Right Field, which is a much less romantic, but oh, same park, yeah. right? Okay, mm -hmm. so keep keep that in mind. So Daz's first major league hit was in September of this year, as you know, for the Tigers playing against the White Sox at Guaranteed Right Field. His dad Mike's 
first hit was 25 years earlier in August 1995 when he played for the White Sox against the Tigers. So the the flip flop of this, the same ballpark. It was New Comiskey back then. His first hit. So how about that for a nice 25 year old parallel? That's pretty cool. That's baseball magic. That's baseball magic. The other baseball magic is Daz um, is uh, one of the the people, one of the players in the Players Alliance. Oh yay! So you know he's he is talking the talk and walking the walk and fighting for justice on the field and off the field, which is very awesome. If you want to pay attention to him now before uh, the major league season starts, apparently he's playing in Puerto Rico right now for the Cangrejeros de Santurce. How did I do? Yeah, you did really well. I didn't think the Cangrejeros were one of the teams. I need to do some more research. huh? Well, you know what? I don't know if it's, but he was listed as playing for them maybe since that, that was, publicize something happened i don't know he was supposed to play with them so maybe i should see if i could find a dang roster which i've i realize is very hard to do they're you're right they're not really on the actual league website the league website is not the best source of information but but we will get there we will get there so i think daz is going to be fun to watch so yay yay i'm i'm excited to see daz all right now i'm i'm you know, newly excited to see the Tigers. It's, I think that's why I love doing this because it does make me psyched to see every team, even though we're starting with the folks that had the bottom of the barrel last year. I mean, last year was a screwed up season anyway. So who knows? This year is bright. It's open. Maybe, well, I don't know about the Diamondbacks having a big chance, but I'm excited to watch Eduardo Escobar, who I have absolutely fallen for at this point, third base. He is a baseball boyfriend guy. He's got that baseball boyfriend award background, the heart and hustle that we've talked about being, you know, oh, they ripped us off by doing a baseball boyfriend (laughs) type award. He got it for the twins in 2018 and for the D-backs in 2019. So a heart and hustle from one team to the other. And then this past year, he was the D-backs nomination for the Roberto Clemente Award because he is yet another do-gooder. He did a program with getting new gloves for Arizona's newcomer school. They have a, a school for immigrant newcomers, which oh. I really wish we did in this area. But it's a fantastic program. And so he's reaching out to them with baseball. He visited the high school and invited players to a D-backs game. He has brought toys to the Boys and Girls Club invited kids like as a uh, honor roll kind of prize to his favorite restaurant, which is a Brazilian place that I cannot pronounce, Fogo de de Chao, something like that. But to bring a couple, a bunch of kids out to eat is just, it's, it's just super sweet, reaching out to the youth. He also, with his teammate, Stephen, oh shoot, I can't pronounce his name, Vote, V-O, Vote. Okay, Stephen Vote. They raised twenty thousand dollars in gift cards for food to healthcare workers during COVID. Nice. So lots again. I've got a really good theme today on the guys doing good. And Eduardo says though, because it's how he grew up. And I really tried to find more information about his family and his life growing up, but all I found were a bunch of quotes by him basically saying that he had nothing and things like food and shelter were not secure for him as a youth. So I'm not exactly sure what the family situation was. I know that he's from Maracay, Venezuela. And actually his his neighborhood, I think it was El Pico, and his player's weekend name, I wish I'd, I'd written it down, but it was sort of like the guy from this neighborhood. 
La Pica, El Pico, something like that. So a lot of ties to giving back to this really humble neighborhood that he's from. As a kid, he hung out with Miguel Cabrera, which that's a good thing. That's another ex-boyfriend of mine. He has played, and I don't understand this, he's played every position except for first base. He actually was a pitcher for a while coming up, I think in high school. Um, but that would be the most doable position. I mean, DHs get put at first. So I don't understand why that's an issue. He should be playing first base at some some time to be able to get through all of the uh, all, all of the bases, all of the positions. He was discovered originally by Ozzy Guillen when he was trying out for the White Sox. And Ozzy had stopped by actually to see his own son play picked up on Eduardo and basically convinced the White Sox to take him uh, and took such care of him, like took him under his wing at that point that after that he was, he was brought in, he made sure that he was training in Arizona instead of Venezuela because it was a particularly dangerous time in Venezuela. So to be taken care of by Ozzy is a really sweet thing. I'm a little concerned about him. 2020 was rough. He had a fainting spell in the end of 2019 that led to hospitalization. And all I could find about it is it was due to brain swelling, which oh, sounds not like scary. not a good thing. It does. Yeah. And he and he had an off year. I mean, so many people had an off year this year. So I'm hoping that he's okay. He's known as like the clubhouse guy that just like cheers everybody on. And his teammates actually made t-shirts that said, I'm proud of you. Congratulations. Because apparently he says that all the time. Oh, that's really so, sweet. Yeah. I love that. So he is, the final quote that I'll end with is, no matter what happens, I never bring my problems to my job or my community or when it comes to helping people. Everything I can do for people, I will do. And that's Eduardo Escobar. That is most excellent. Most excellent. Okay, so my Diamondbacks guy is the, the second of two in my theme of good parenting and big name traits. Okay, so Carson Kelly, 26-year-old catcher with the Diamondbacks. He was drafted in the second round by, at the time, the World Series champion Cardinals in 2012 as a pitcher out of Westview mm. High School in Oregon. He was, again, in high school, so he was in his marketing class doing a presentation when he got the call that he was drafted by the Cardinals in the second round. Wow. He had a $1.6 million signing bonus. This is the good parenting part. His dad immediately sat him down and made him watch the ESPN documentary, Broke. <laughs> you know this it. documentary? No, it's I haven't seen it, but that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, so this is basically, if you haven't seen it, it's all about all of these professional athletes who, when they retire, when they stop playing, go broke within a couple of years, no matter how many bazillion dollars they make. Wow. So his dad said, I was like, okay, see this, watch this. So almost all of his bonus was invested, except for the part that he set aside to upgrade his high school's batting cages. Oh, wow. Right? Do we love That's him? Beautiful. We love him. So, Okay. We know I like the smart guy. So this initial part might might be strange to hear. He turned down a scholarship to the University of Oregon to go to the Cardinals right out of high school. But fear not, he managed to get his economics degree by 2018 from the University of Oregon by continuing school, including a whole mess of online classes during spring training in 2018 to finish things up. So wow. he is one of those few guys that 
either, you know, because they got drafted right away or because they left college as a junior when most guys get drafted out of college, that actually finished while he's still playing. So, and he, I mean, he's just getting started. He's just getting extra started. points. So extra points for that. I'm really happy about that. Speaks to the kind of upbringing he has quite a bit. Um, in fact, one of the articles that I read was with the scout that found him and said, you know, you sit down, you talk to these families and the parents want to qu- sort of take over the conversation, maybe answer for those kids. He was one of those one in a hundred kids who sort of pushes his parents aside and says, I've got this. Cool. And, you know, it, and, and leads it because it's about him. You know, parents mm-hmm. are still there. They're paying, paying attention, but he's like, okay, I need to be responsible for this. So that was all pretty good. So drafted as a pitcher. But he played third base his first two years in the Cardinals hmm. system, right? The scout also said, you know, he was very athletic, very talented. So we just wanted to draft him and kind of see how it played out because he could do a number of things, right? In fact, two years into playing third base, they switched him to catching, huh. right? So usually catchers go the other way. Your knees give right. out, but you still have the arms. So you go to third or you go to first, right? For him. He went to catching because in addition to athleticism, he also had leadership and the catcher runs the game, right? And so he had that way of of getting the, you know, building the respect of the other players and being able to exhibit leadership. So they said, okay, this is good. This is good for you. Well, he's a catcher with the Cardinals. You might have heard of their catcher, Yadier Molina. <laughs> right. So he doesn't get a lot of airtime. So when you when your Yachty's backup, yeah. the words heir apparent and catcher of the future get thrown around a lot. But what it really means is you're stuck in triple A mm-hmm. or you're sitting on the bench. He said he learned a lot from Yachty, but he hardly ever played. Right. And what he said was, quote, I only had a chance to fail. Like he didn't have a chance to grow. Oof. Like anything he did was like either he did it okay in like the one chance he had in two weeks or he failed, right? So in 2018... He welcomed the fact that he was part of the trade to the Diamondbacks for Paul Goldschmidt. Not bad. So there's your there's your big name trade. He goes to the Diamondbacks, who are desperately in need of catching help. So all of a sudden, he's getting to play and stretch his wings and learn and you know kind of grow into these talents. And in fact, he was he was paired with uh, Madison Bumgarner um, yeah. to, to catch him. Things, you know, it was a weird season, so that didn't last all season. Yeah. All kinds of things happened. One of the things that happened was I don't know if you remember, but Mad Bum got um, pulled in a game against the Padres in August because his back gave out. He was out for weeks after that. Oh, right. So they sort of scrambled with relievers, including bringing in their catcher. <laughs> They're to pitch Carson Kelly to pitch, but oh, he was that's a pitcher cool. in high school. He was a pitcher in high school, right? So yeah, so he got to be one of those position players that gets called, and he pitched the eighth inning. He gave up a, a double to start the inning, but then he got the next three guys out. So no runs scored. This was a game where the Padres like set some record for home runs in a game, but none of them were scored on Carson Kelly. So hooray for that! He his fiance is well was the track coach at Grinnell College in Iowa. Oh, cool and. When everything shut down in the spring, like this was going to be her last season with this job because she was going to move to Arizona to be with him. And this coaching is kind of hard to do at a distance. But unfortunately, the track season got cut short because of COVID. So her like big finish was cut. And that was very disappointing. She didn't get to finish up the the um, the season the way she wanted to. But there was there was a, a piece written about them Um before the baseball season started, how are you spending your time? Because, you know, you can train for like an hour and a half a day at the facility, but then what do you do? And he said, well, 
mm-hmm. a lot of reading, a lot of puzzles. So his fiance is there and they are, because she's an athlete, the two of them are very competitive, which sounds a little bit familiar, like, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like Swanson, right? And so everything is a competition. So we do puzzles, but we compete. When we go on <laughs> hikes, you know, we're like out trying to outpace the other ones. So like they, it sounds like they have a good time. So if you're interested, they have a registry at, at, at Crate and Barrel, oh. which I looked at. And I, I got to say, you know, as, as someone who's, you know, had a registry many, many years ago, they're making good choices. They're, they're getting a lot of practical things that will last a long time. Not that fancy thing that's going to stay in your cupboard for 30 years. Do they have a date? Like I, if if Crate and Barrels to be believed, it's New Year's Day, January first. That's sweet. So stay tuned. So stay huh. tuned. Yeah. Next week, next week, we're going to talk about the Red Sox. And so soon, the, <laughs> so soon. Okay, and also the Rockies. But the, this is interesting about the Rockies. There was actually a three-way tie in the standings in the National League with the Rockies and the Mets and the Nationals. So we're doing it in alphabetical order by the name of the state. So Colorado Rockies, New York Mets, Washington Nationals. That's the order we're going to do them because the the um the the records were the same. So the Rockies next week with the Red Sox, who had their own spot in the standings. They weren't tied with anybody. All by themselves. Look All at by those themselves. Red Sox. And I'm wearing my Red Sox winter hat in pride. Wow. I don't even know. You know, usually it used to be that you said Red Sox and I'd be all excited. Like, who am I going to pick? And now I'm like, uh, who am I going to pick? What am I going to (laughs) do? I've got more happy news, though. There's the MLB is following through with a little bit of the, the promise that they've made toward encouraging women to get involved in baseball. And this is actually the third time that we've talked about this. I believe we talked about it when it first happened three years ago, the Take the Field event, which was just a special cutout in the winter meetings specifically targeted to have women uh, network, get education who are interested in careers in coaching, scouting, player development, things like that. And this is last year, actually, Alyssa Nakin and Rachel Folden spoke, and they're still involved with it this year. But this, you know, this past year has seen a few of these women coming out into coaching. So who knows what this will bring for next year? So that it's, it's working, right? It's working. And, and to, um, to build on that, when this started, it was a coffee break. Yeah. It was like a, like an optional breakout. Let's have coffee for an hour and network. And now it's this full on program that shows investment rather than we need to check this box that says girls, mm-hmm. right? Now this is, we're, we're helping to develop a professional, uh, a route for, for women in baseball. Yeah, I'll I'll link in, I think I have it in the notes, there was this video of four women who are involved. And it's really interesting sort of to, to listen to what they have to say about it, because they talk about the need to speak frankly, yet politely, you know, like you, you have got to stick up for yourself. This is an issue, but you can be professional about it. And there's, there's different techniques that they're learning at these, you know, it's, it's going to be so tempting to just say, oh, fuck this, you know, they're <laughs> get so frustrated, right? but there are, you know, better ways to talk, to get ahead. So interesting, interesting to look at. 
the next just teeny bit of international baseball that I have, I had a happy week actually watching Dominican ball because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. played. And I think it, I don't, when we last recorded, I said he was coming soon. Little right. did I know that he was debuting that night. He was oh, wow. debuting the night that the, the episode dropped actually on that Tuesday. His first two games were less than stellar. He opened one of the games with an error. He didn't get a hit, I believe, on either of the first two games, but he made up for it with the third game when he had two home runs in that game, and that wow. just set things off. And if folks aren't, you know, if you're not watching Leadum, I, I, I seriously recommend actually watching, but also following the, the teams on Twitter is hysterical because when each team wins, they have a, a club room dance, and they're fabulous. And the one after Guerrero Jr., basically helped to to win the game. He was sitting in the middle of this big dance circle. You've just, you've got to watch it. Lots of fun. <laughs> we talked a little bit about what was going on in Puerto Rico last week, that there is four teams. And the one that we were, because Roberto Alomar has this new team of rookies, and we talked about how it's different than the other tr- three teams playing because it's based on getting rookies playing time before maybe they'll debut in, in MLB. Apparently, the the plan is not going very well. They have lost every game to date, uh, including getting smashed 21 to 9. I think it was either their their first or their second game. They got shut out 8 to nothing. The the big record, I think, was that they one of the games they walked the first seven batters. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a rough start. So we'll see. Maybe the rookies will come around. I'm feeling like winning isn't what. He's got in mind for this yeah, team. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the RA12. Maybe it's like, um, like Mike Cameron's like, you know, these kids need to learn how to lose. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Maybe they're getting it. I think they need a different logo. They're, they're, you got to look at their shirt logo. I, it's, they Not need good. a little bit, something, something a little bit snazzier. Well, it's RA12 with like, I think Roberto Alomar's sort of silhouette. And I'm thinking, I think maybe it's just a little bit too focused on, him and not yeah, yeah. not the whole team thing. That's but there's it. A, that's what it is. That maybe maybe we'll <laughs> see. I gotta look look and see what's happening. Um, one more league though that I think I don't know if I can do it. I'm gonna try to watch Australian baseball. So today is what December thirteenth, right? Yes. So okay. So we're recording on Sunday the thirteenth. You're listening to this maybe on Tuesday to the fifteenth. On the seventeenth, which I guess that's Thursday. Look at look at me doing a little bit of math. math. I I believe that's the debut of Australian Baseball League. You can get it for ten bucks a month, but it's only for a team. So it's like you're getting that team's feed. There are two teams who are doing this, and I really should have looked up the other one, but I do know that the Sydney Blue Sox are doing it, which is where Manny Ramirez is going to be playing. And I just feel like Manny's Adventures Down Under, like wouldn't you want to follow Manny's Adventures Down Under? Plus, I was thinking I really miss my breakfast baseball. I miss, you know, CPB oh, right. on KPO in the morning. Yeah. yeah, so I was thinking Australia's got to be about the same, right? Well, sure. not it's no? kind of well not in the right direction. The the Uh-oh. games are 7 or 7:30 Sydney time, which is 3 or 3:30 in the morning here for a start. Oh no. Which is not yeah. even for free. Not even for free. I know. But I'm thinking but shit, I was thinking maybe I could get up at 5 or maybe even 4:30 and get most of the games. I might try it for a month, put in 10 bucks and see what happens. 
Because the Manny Down Under thing, you know, he's his Instagram is hysterical because people have not been recognizing him. Have you seen these? No. There is a guy, He it, the first one is him in some restaurant or something like that. And he sees a guy with a Red Sox hat. And of course, he like walks up to him like, I'm going to surprise the shit out of this guy. And he said, like your hat. And the guy basically wouldn't give him the time of day. And then he tried to get the guy's attention and say, who's your favorite player? And he wouldn't answer him. So it's pretty funny. And I guess he had a friend videoing this. And then that happened basically again. He found another guy with a Red Sox hat who did not recognize him. It's been a while since Manny's played. It really has been. You know, he's so iconic. It's sort of like David Ortiz. Like you wouldn't question a Red Sox fan recognizing David Ortiz. I think think Manny is almost there. I wonder if Red Sox caps in Australia are like right. New York Yankees caps everywhere else in the world. Right. It's like, this is the only team I know. I, ha- I got this cap because I think it's cool. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm pretty sure that's it. And I'm sure <laughs> the Yankees hats are like that too. Maybe there's just a little bit of diversity. The one I saw today that we finally found somebody who recognized him, who spoke back to him in Spanish. So I'm thinking, I don't know. All right. You know, who knows? A ringer there. But uh, but that's what I think. If anybody wants to watch Australian baseball with me, let me know, please. I think I need some companionship on this. <laughs> yeah, and actually, if you want to um, follow international baseball without really following international baseball, hang out with Potty Mouth on social media because she will keep you in highlights, especially the dance parties. Potty Mouth, where can people find us on social media? Yeah, definitely check us out on Twitter and CIB podcast or Facebook and Instagram. No crying in b-ball. I'll get all that stuff right at you. <laughs> you sure will. You sure will. Uh, if you would like to tell some friends maybe about us, if you think they'd like to listen to us talk about baseball, we'd sure appreciate that. If you can listen to some back episodes or leave us a review or rating also helps us immensely. So thank you so much for that. This week, I got to do some research on those Red Sox, right? And and those Rockies and see what we got for boyfriends next week. I got a plan for some holidays. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe watch some. some. Oh, hey. Oh, happy Hanukkah. I, I totally meant to say that at the beginning of the show. Shit. It's Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. And that reminds me, you had homework. You had homework. Oh, yeah, I didn't do it yet. I'm a bad student. I have to watch High School Musical, folks. For those who don't know why, just listen to that last episode, but. I, I, well, well you know high, what? Winter break is coming up. Give me give me winter break. I'll do it over winter break. It's High School Musical, and it's also one of a series of choices of Vanessa Hudgens' holiday Netflix <laughs> spectaculars, which I'm trying to to, to work on Excellent. because I just think Potty Mouth needs to know this. I, I really do. I really All do. Right. Yeah. So, okay, so I might even watch a few more of those over the course of the week. In the meantime, please, everybody, wear your masks, keep your distance, be safe, fight the man, and say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Record click.